four months ago, John and Shirley was here and presented his ministry, Love Goes Home, under the auspices of um, Live Global, which is under ABWE Mission Umbrella. Thank you for being a part of what God's doing in our lives and our ministry. And I just want to take a few moments to bring you up to speed what's been happening. And uh, Pastor Ron asked me to kind of overview what we do. We all have a little ministry we call Love Goes Home. And we call it that because we believe the home is the first place God has designed for us to learn about his love for us and our love for him and how to love each other. And if you don't have a home, how do you learn about those things? That's why God's commissioned his church to care for orphans. So our ministry is about helping churches in hard places rescue children who are homeless and Christless. And I'll have just a few pictures here to show you what God's been doing, and then we'll open up God's Word in a moment. So if we could have the next slide. That's our family. Uh, I'm in the middle with Becky, and then um, Hannah and John Calvin, James and Sadie, uh, our, our older four, and then Charles next to me, and then King, Carmelo, Renee, and Rakaila. Those five are with us. Uh, we thought about leaving them home with a show on, but we thought that maybe not such a good idea. And we brought them with us this morning. And uh, there's, there are some amazing stories about how God has used uh, all of those kids in our lives to be more like Jesus and our great need uh, for that to occur. Next slide, please. So we work with churches. We think the body of Christ is God's primary method for discipleship, evangelism, and it's the local church in all places that he primarily works through. And according to UNICEF, there are 147 million orphans in the world. That number is staggering. And so we partner, we make partnerships between believers in North America and churches in hard places to help rescue these kids. This is a church in uh, the Port of Prince Haiti area that we work with, helping them help orphans. And so, as you can see, uh, churches come in all shapes and sizes. This is just a building. And uh, they love the Lord. They're worshiping there this morning. And the pastor of that church has rescued two kids, brought them into their home and part of their family raising them. And we're encouraged to be a part of what God's doing in that family, in that church. So uh, we're in Haiti in the Dominican Republic. And um, Lord willing, the last week of July and the first week of August, uh, we'll be in India and Nepal beginning to help churches rescue kids there. So if you'd be willing to pray about that trip, They'll be able to build strong relationships and help those churches. Uh, the need is tremendously uh, overwhelming there in India. We're going to a place that's in Manipur, which is in the northeast corner, close to Myanmar. And if you've been following the news lately, there are uprisings. 150 churches have been burned right in the community where we're going. Uh, over 10,000 people have been put into refugee camps. It's, uh, the need is dire. So we're going to come alongside those churches and help them help those kids who are desperately suffering because of their own sin and the sin of a fallen world. And then we'll be going to Nepal, building relationships there, working with uh, a rescue mission that takes children out of the sex traffic industry and puts them in homes. And uh, so we're very excited about being a part of that. So our focus is on helping churches strengthen families. And uh, I was thinking a few minutes on the, on the right up here about uh, this incredible love gift that uh, God has used you to put together, uh, $20,000. And that is going to be used to rescue 40 children who, uh, right now, those kids, uh, I don't know where they're sleeping. I don't know what they're eating. Uh, but uh, I'm taking that money to the Dominican Republic in about three weeks and giving it to 20 pastors. That's amazing how God's put that together. And uh, each of those pastors in their own home or in the churches or a family of, the, of their church will rescue 
uh, two kids. That's 40 kids. But it doesn't stop there. Those 40 kids each go into a home with two parents. So now we're talking about 80 people's lives being changed. And then in each home, are there any children? Let's just say each home has one other kid. That's 100 lives being impacted by your ministry, by what God's doing through this church. 100 lives changed forever. Uh, we don't know what God will do, but he's pleased to use us to do what he wants. And so we help a family start a small business, and then they have enough money uh, to bring two children into their home and send them to school for the clothes, food, and bed, and they raise these children. It's not for a month or a season. It is for their, the rest of their lives. So here's a family that's been created. Those two little kids came off of the streets and placed them in this past. This is a pastor in, uh, in Haiti and his wife. And so imagine taking two kids who don't understand what love is or discipline or self-control or bedtimes or obedience or meal times or restroom times. And now they're coming in to be part of your family every day in your routine. Pray for these parents who love these kids. It's quite remarkable. So these two little kids have come in off the streets and put in this home uh, where they will uh, hear about the Lord and uh, be cared for and loved. So here's a small business in the Dominican Republic, and it's a little grocery store, and the, the next slide we'll see the inside of it. And so here, this is the pastor and his wife who have rescued two kids. They've started this grocery store, and as the business uh, survives and thrives, they, they pay that loan back to go to the next church, the next family in that community to rescue two more kids. So these kids' lives are impacted in ways that we have our time imagining. Uh, there are a lot of kids here this morning. Uh, every one of them ate this morning, and they did not go to bed last night thinking, what will we eat tomorrow? Like these kids. Germs, disease, cholera, malaria, dysentery. Uh, they're able to drink safely without uh, wondering about what's going to happen to them when they do so. They're not sleeping in a ditch. I, th I think I shared this story with you the first time I was here. Our national partner that we work in the Haiti and the Dominican Republic, his name is Pastor Preston. We build relationships with, with godly individuals and churches and through what we call a national partnership. And so our national partner there, I'd asked him to take some pictures of children living on the streets of Port-au-Prince. And uh, he did. And I said, well, can you take some of those pictures? I said, can you take some pictures of kids where they're sleeping at night? And he said, John, I'm not going to do that because it's, it's too dangerous for me to go to where these kids sleep. Uh, if you're looking at what's going on in Haiti, it's a war zone. It's uh, just about a failed country. There's no government to support. The gangs have taken over. Bodies are left on the street as gangs plow through, destroying. Every day it's like that. And these kids are trying to survive living under a broken down building. And so now they, uh, they have some security, a place to sleep with a family that loves them. And why we love them indeed by giving what they need physically, they're put in the homes of Jesus followers where they're taught that they're sinners who need a Savior. And they're taught that God has provided one through His Son, Christ. In order for these children to survive, they're going to steal, they're going to beg, they're going to join a gang, or be trafficked for a dollar. Kids need somebody to hold them, to love them. These kids are living their lives morning, afternoon, night, in fear, Suffering, starvation, no education, no savior. And now we're putting them in a home. We are doing this together. 
and someone's loving them. School in these countries usually is not free, and if you can't pay for your education, you don't have an education. Here's a young lady on the verge of adulthood, now placed in a home where she has a mom and dad who says, this is what life is about. Here's how you go forward and make decisions about how to live, what kind of husband you should have, that you need a savior. Well, this is little Ruth. How long was she going to survive on the streets? I don't know. By God's grace, she doesn't have to now. And they know that the God of the universe loves them. This is what we do as the body of Christ. God uses us to be his ambassadors. Lives, souls changed for eternity. This little guy on the right, mom died. Then his dad was killed while his motorcycle was being stolen. This pastor in green took these two boys in with his wife. They're rescued. They're safe. They're given hope. And they're loved. Four ways this ministry, the ministry we have together, I think is being used by the Lord. Local churches in the United States, just like Community Bible here, have an opportunity to follow God's command to care for orphans. These churches in these hard places are blessed as they're given gospel opportunities to witness to these kids and people in their community see Christ being the Lord of those families rescuing the kids. The kids themselves are changed. Next. We do this because of the great commands. We are commanded to love God. And that command is demonstrated by loving others. Because of the great commission. The great commission is because of the great commands. Because I love God and others, I want to go and make disciples. We're going to fish for men. Why? Because of the great conclusion. We believe that Jesus is coming back. And we want to live like we believe Jesus is coming back. So that's just very briefly about us. This is our website. You can find more out about us. Uh, my wife and I are missionaries. We are in the process of raising our support. Uh, God's been gracious, and we're at 23% of what Love Global has asked us to raise. And so we'd love for you to prayerfully consider and partnering with us in whatever way God would lead you, individually or corporately or prayerfully. Uh, all of our, there, That's a prayer card in the back. We have a table there. Please get a prayer card so you can pray for us. All of our information is on their phone, email, website, links on how to be a partner. And um, we'd love to have a cup of coffee with you, share more with you. A sincere thank you for being a part of what God is doing. And uh, I got off the phone with Pastor Preston yesterday. I told him I'm going to Community Bible Church today. And he said, I've got the 20 pastors ready. And uh, that means the 40 kids will soon be rescued. It means people will be eating Kids will be drinking, sleeping in a bed, being kissed goodnight. That won't be tonight, but they will be next month. And they'll hear about the Lord that they need so desperately. Thank you very much. And I want to ask you to turn with me now to God's Word in First Corinthians, excuse me, First Kings chapter 8. So we kind of turn the page here. Is it obvious what you're doing in your life? Is it obvious what I'm doing in my, what my life is all about? In First Kings chapter 8, it's this incredibly momentous once-in-the-universe event. Solomon and Israel are dedicating this temple that's been built. If, if you're familiar with the Old Testament, for over 400 years since the Exodus, there's been a tabernacle where the sacrifices have been. It was a tent. Uh, the Holy of Holies was in a tent. All of those things were temporary. Hundreds and hundreds of years. And then God has now said it's time to build a temple. A building. I think it was kind of obvious what they were doing, don't you? 
Hey, why are these thousands of people working for years and years and years? What's, what are all the trees lined up? What's with the blocks? What's with the gold lavers? What's with the pillars? Well, we're building a temple to God. We're building a temple to God. It was very obvious what they're doing. And we could take weeks to delve into all the deep meaning of, and uh, lessons to learn, but we don't have that. We just have a few minutes, and I want to think about three words out of this whole entire chapter. I'll look at a few verses. The first is worship, sacrifice, and celebration. Those are the three words we're going to think about for just a few minutes. Worship, sacrifice, and celebration. Solomon's called all of Israel, all of the country is gathered together for this event. It's taken years and years. But before you think about Solomon and what he is doing, I want you to think about David, Solomon's father. You know what David wanted to do? He wanted to build a temple. He, he wanted to do something awesome and wonderful for God. God said, no, David, you're not going to do that. But I'll use you to prepare the way for your son to do it. And as I was, I was thinking about this, as, as we live our lives in service to God, and we have these goals and these things we want to do that are good, are you willing for God to say, no, I'm not going to use you in the way that you want to be used? I love what Paul said uh, in 1 Corinthians 3. He said, I plant Apollos waters, the Lord brings the harvest. In service to God, do we recognize that he's the master? We belong to him. It's about him. And what we're planning on doing, it's not nearly as important as what God's planning on doing. So uh, we're coming to recognize that this temple is the work of God, even though he's using men. And David experienced that very clearly. So when it's his plan... When it's his way, when it's his timing and his provision, he'll accomplish what he wants to do. That means maybe he's having us wait. Maybe he's having us lay the groundwork for somebody else. Maybe you'll be teaching somebody in Sunday school that's going to lead Dwight Moody to the Lord. We don't know what God is going to do through us, but we know that he's working in the way that he wants to. So I, just, as I was thinking about Solomon here, I had to think about David first. And maybe you're a David. You have, boy, Lord... We want to accomplish, but just keep putting the pedals on what we're trying. Wait. In Acts 17, we read, it's in him we live and move and have our being. It's all about him. And so interestingly, Solomon in this text, he's reading through 1 Corinthians 7 and 8. He keeps talking about, this is the temple I built. This is the temple I built. Who built this temple? Well, Solomon did. And of course, all the people that did all the work. But he's always saying it was God doing it. It's his temple. There's this reality that God is using us. Isn't that amazing? God's using us to accomplish what he wants to do. He can use a donkey. He can use a rock. But he's chosen to use us sinners, saved by his grace, to highlight him. One of my favorite verses in Matthew, it says... Let your light, whose light? Your light, so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So all that I'm doing, all the work that I'm doing, 
should say that's what God's doing. And so as we have this celebration Sunday and we're celebrating all of the things in our own lives, like this incredible gift, uh, milestone birthdays, members joining, babies being born, it's all us, right? And our response should say, it's God. And so as we celebrate today what he's doing, we're celebrating, yes, what we're doing, what we've done, but it's really about God. And so back in the text now, 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 22. Let me read 22 to 26. We see this worship going on. Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands toward heaven. And he said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God in heaven above or on earth below like you who keep your covenant and mercy with your servants who walk before you with all your hearts. You have kept what you promised your servant David, my father. You have both spoken with your mouth and fulfilled it with your hand as it is this day. Therefore, Lord God of Israel, now keep what you promised your servant David, my father, saying you shall not fail to have a man sit before me on the throne of Israel. Only if your sons take heed to their way, they may walk before me as you have walked before me. Did you catch what Solomon is saying? He's telling God, there is no other God but you. It's always about worship, isn't it? What I do, what you do. It's always about worship. I tend to have a heart that's an idol maker. And yes, I'm here in church this morning, but you know what? Chances are before I go to bed tonight, I'm going to worship something other than the God of the universe. My attitude and my response, my priorities, my spending, my plans. Is that you? We have to remember, just like this incredible moment in time in this temple, is that it's always all about God. Our worship is our life saying it's always about God. In you, I live. In you, I move. In you, I have my being. All that I do, whatever I say, the words of my mouth, the thoughts of my heart, be pleasing to you. Whether you eat, whether you drink, basic necessities of life let it all be done to say god is like no other god and so when we're celebrating our human accomplishments it's recognizing should be that there is no other god because it's god who's done it through us and for us or to us so first we see this formal time of celebrating as they gather in the temple now move over to verse 62 and i'm sorry i'm Skimming across the top of this text, I would encourage you to spend some time in this chapter just in amazement of who God is and what he's doing. But for purposes of what we have this morning, we're going to move over to 62. So we see this attitude of worship that they had. And now this, this time of sacrifice. Do you know what sacrifice is? It's when you give up something that's costly to you. And this whole thing started when David purchased the land for the temple. And, and this, this guy said, no, I want to give it to you, David. And said, David said, no, I don't want it. If you want to give it to me, it must cost me. You see, worship should be costly. If you want to be my disciple, Jesus said, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow me. And Luke, Jesus said, Anyone who wants to follow me must weigh the cost. 
You see, the value of the sacrifice reveals the value of the one being sacrificed to. Look at what Solomon is offering here. First Kings chapter 8, 62. Then the king and all Israel with him offered sacrifices before the Lord. And Solomon offered a sacrifice of peace offerings, which he offered to the Lord 22,000 bulls and 120,000 sheep. Uh, I remember butchering a pig once. A pig. Actually, I kind of watched why this guy I knew did it. But if you're a hunter, you know, or a farmer, or a butcher, that's a lot of blood in one pig. Not a hundred, not a thousand, and not pigs. Twenty-two thousand bulls. How much blood is that? How much sacrifice is that? What'd that cost? See, we're never going to pay God back. That's not what this is all about. But it's in recognizing His value. Hey, if you're a husband here and you're shopping for your wife's birthday, are you looking for the least expensive thing? Are you trying to say, honey, I love you so much that uh, that fishing pole I was going to buy for myself, I'm going to have to postpone because I'm investing it in my gift to you because I love you. It's sacrificial. Uh, I, I need to step on my own toes a little bit this morning. Maybe yours, I don't know. But uh, is my vacation a little bit less because I'm sacrificing so much for the Lord's work? Is the kind of car I drive, does it reflect that I'm sacrificing for God. The clothes that I wear, the TV that I have, the house that I live in, my investment portfolio, does it all say there is one God in the universe no one's like him? Sacrificial worship leads to great celebration. Look now in verse 65, 1 Kings 8. After all this bloody sacrifice, at that time Solomon held a feast. Well, they had a lot of meat. They needed to do something with it. And all Israel with him, a great assembly from the entrance of Hamath to the brook of Egypt. That's all of Israel before the Lord our God. Seven days and seven more days. Fourteen days. On the eighth day, he sent the people away, and they blessed the king and went to their tents joyful and glad of heart for all the good that the Lord had done for his servant David and for Israel, his people. We're never going to be sorry that our lives were about worshiping and sacrificing for the God who loves us and put us here. In 1 Corinthians, I'm going to turn, why don't you turn there with me, please, over in the New Testament, just a couple of verses. The context is negative, but the application is incredibly awesome and positive. People were in the body of Christ in the city of Corinth were doing horrible, sinful things, and Paul's writing them to correct them about them and help them think biblically about who they are, what they're supposed to be doing. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 
19 and 20. As, if you go back and read through 1 Kings 8 and 7, and you start looking at all of the gold and all of the I don't know, hundreds or thousands of pounds of gold out, inside, outside, all of the, this temple was incredible. It's nothing. And where is it now? 1 Corinthians 6, 19. Or do you not know that your body, if you're a Jesus follower, if you're born again, is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own? You see, they didn't rent out the temple for wedding events. They didn't have graduation parties and birthdays in the temple. That's not what it was for. Not those things are wrong, but that's not, that temple wasn't for that. It wasn't theirs for that purpose. Let's have a garage sale in the temple next week, guys. You don't have worship till the Sabbath. No. How about my, how about my body? And not just my body, you see. For, you're not your own. Verse 24, you're bought at a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are, God, which are God's. So not just the body, like I can do all of the stuff, but inside I'm not right. My spirit, if we were to turn back just a couple of pages to chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, Paul talks about all these things we can do in the name of Jesus that are have no value. He calls it wood, hay, and stubble. Doing gospel-driven work that has no eternal value because it just looked good. Do we know that all of our celebration of life should be because we're worshiping sacrificially this incredibly awesome God? And it's obvious to everybody who knows me and knows you. Look, why is John doing that? Oh, wait, he's, yeah, because of that God he worships and loves. I, I just wrote this one sentence down. Our work as the body of Christ, is an act of worship. So that means as I get up in the morning, live my day, go to bed and do it again. Our work is an act of worship. That is a sacrificial recognition of God's worthiness that leads to celebratory joy for all those who truly love and serve him. I'll read that again. Our work is an act of worship that is a sacrificial recognition of God's worthiness that leads to celebratory joy for all those who truly love and serve him. Those are just my words. Let's close by reading God's words. Chapter 8 again of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 8. 54 to 61. First Kings chapter eight, verse fifty-four. And so it was when Solomon had finished praying all this prayer and supplication of the Lord, that he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spreading up to heaven. Then he stood. Are you are you envisioning this? Then he stood. And blessed all the assembly of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord who has given rest to his people Israel 
according to all that he promised, there has not failed one word of all his good promise, which he promised through his servant Moses. May the Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. May he not leave us nor forsake us, that he may incline our hearts to himself to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And may these words of mine, with which I have made supplication before the Lord, be near the Lord our God day and night, that he may maintain the cause of his servant and the cause of his people Israel as each day may require that all the peoples of the earth, this is it right here, that all the peoples of the earth may know that the Lord is God and there is no other. Let your heart, therefore, be loyal to the Lord our God, to walk in his statutes and keep his commandments as at this day. Let's pray together. Father, uh, help us to live worshipful, sacrificial lives that lead to a celebration of joy. We thank you for first loving us, demonstrating that love by sacrificing your son. You are good, God. You're worthy of our lives. Everything that we have has first come from you. Thank you for what you're doing through and for Community Bible Church, as we anticipate your return, Lord, help us to be faithful to you, because you are first faithful to us. In Jesus' name, amen.